Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the fee-for-service dentist podcast, Dr. Sonny Spirit. Today, our guest and good friend, Dr. Jeffrey Hoos, he is going to talk about a lot of tips that are essential, he feels, and I feel 100% in agreement, essential to a successful fee-for-service dental practice and a good work-life balance. And his description and his ability to communicate second to none his understanding of and grasp of his place and in our place in dentistry is is tremendous i think you'll all pick up a lot from it as always the fee-for-service dentist podcast brought to you by kettenbach dental who is very excited to announce their first the the first major advancement in fluoride varnish treatments prophecil it's no longer with alcohol or resin Instead, patients will want this treatment delivered by a muco-adhesive dimethicone gel, leaving a smooth, silky, lubricious feel. No more grit. Call Kettenbach today for more details and do more varnishes that patients will appreciate. Call 877-532-2123 or visit KettenbachUSA.com. If you like the episode, click like, click share with your friends. Check us out on YouTube. Our iTunes will soon be one, one dental podcast together. We're having a couple little things that we're trying to work out. As always, if you don't like it, please reach out to me personally, sunnyspira at gmail.com, or send me a text or call me, 607-624-2962. If you want to be on the podcast, you have something you want to say, or it's got some things that I think will help anybody, Please let me know. Always looking for good a good content and good new friends. Have a great day, everybody. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe that the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe that the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet, our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door, and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns, and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast, and these are our stories. 
Welcome to the Fee for Service Dentist Podcast, Dr. Sonny Spirit. Today we have a very good friend, dear friend, Dr. Jeffrey Hoos. And we've had him on before, and, and we're just actually talking about topics. He probably gave me seven topics we could have seven different shows on. So so it's going to be a, a, a fun a fun uh, ride. Uh, he currently is writing a column for Dental Economics. He has lectured everywhere across this great globe. He's spoken on everything from painless injection to balancing the right the art, science, and beauty of uh, dentistry. That's one of the big things that I get. He has his own Facebook group called Dental Insights, which is thought-provoking. I, I will say that. Always has a little something on there that that you know it's a little different angle. And sometimes it's, you know, what is what do you see on a Panorex to the psychology of decision making, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I'm blessed to call him a friend and I am constantly learning from him. So welcome. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful Sunday morning here in Connecticut. The weather is finally broken. The uh the sun is out. Uh, the waves are not pounding my seawall, and so it's all good. It's a good day. <laughs> yeah, our sun is out here, which we don't get a lot of sun up in, up in this part of New York because of the rivers and the clouds and all that stuff. So we're, we got a nice day ahead, so that's good. So let's talk. Let's uh, give everybody a little bit of your background, where you practice, what, how you got into it, that kind of stuff. So I've I've said it so many times, I... Had to go into the office yesterday to do a large implant case on a Saturday. And someone happened to say to me, um, you've been a dentist a long time. And I was thinking to myself, I guess you're right. I mean, um, I graduated from Tufts in 1978. And it is impossible for me to really believe that it's been since 1978. But I was also thinking about there is not a single thing that I do in my office today that I learned in dental school. Wow. That's a powerful statement. That. Think about that. Now, I'm talking about um, the older practitioner, but I would just did a lecture at the Yankee Dental Meeting, and I had almost 200 people there, and I... <laughs> And I always ask the question, you know, who graduated last year, who graduated 19, right. whatever. And I, I said, and who graduated in the 70s? And no one raised their hand. And I said, it finally happened. I'm the oldest person in the room. And when you think back about this, it's really quite thought provoking. And so I'll I'll make the statement again. There is not a single thing I do in my practice today that I learned in dental school. Because when I was in when I started in private practice, you could not acid etch dentin. In fact, you couldn't acid etch dentin. In fact, acid etching of enamel was a new thing. Right. Um, how I do my injections, how I restore my teeth, how I manage patients. Um, the restorative materials we have, I haven't placed an amalgam in years. Um, and so, yes, I learned I learned about anatomy, but I'm talking about the physical attribute of doing dentistry. The handpiece I use is different. The burrs I use are different. The, the techniques I use to take out teeth are completely different. Um, how I think about occlusion is different. So, 
this is really talking about growing and building your self-confidence and quite frankly, your skill level in your private practice. And I have dentists that come and visit me and spend the day with me. And I will tell you, it's not inexpensive to do that. But someone said a couple of months ago, how did you learn how to do that? And I was thinking, if you make me tell you, really tell you how I got around to doing that, it would take me about 45 minutes, but it was a, through a course of mistakes and learning. And my good friend, Sandy White, he says, when something fails in his office, he tells his patients, well, we both learned something. <laughs> we both learned something here. And those practitioners that say, you know, the old joke, I, my endos never fail. I never break off any root tips. Right. That means only one thing. You don't do endo and you don't do extractions. Yeah. Yeah. And so it is really, and it's really the balancing of art, science, and business of dentistry, not beauty of dentistry, but the business of dentistry, trying to do beautiful restorations based on great science with a business model in hand. So how do we make that transition from the few things we learn in dental school to be able to put it into private practice implementation. Right. Boy, I mean, Sonny, do you remember your first alginate impression? Yeah. yeah. I mean, poor Charlie Ruff. Poor Charlie Ruff, my, my cousin <laughs> and dental school. Um, he was in my dental school class. I mean, I think... I got a perfect impression of his epiglottis, I think. I was going to say, yeah. I went down to the uvula. I think I picked it all up, yeah. Uh, so, and then trying to pour that impression before the stone set up and all of those things. And now when I take impressions and someone else in the room, I'm talking to the other person while I'm doing it. It's, it's second nature. So the only way that you can get good is you have to practice. And you have to do it and you have to start slowly and build your confidence. Um, Sonny, I know you're big into basketball and for years, you know, when you watch these guys go up, go up to the foul line and boom, I mean, it only took them a hundred thousand shots to do that. Right. Yeah. And they're going to practice tomorrow. Another, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, it's not, Oh, I've, I've got it down. No, it's, it's the repetition too. You know, it's the repetition, everything. Yeah. So I think that we, there are people, Paul Homily used to talk about this phrase. He used to say, there are people that are called naturals. Mm -hmm. I remember, I was, my, my classmate next to me, Doug Howie. Um, alphabetically, that makes sense. Yeah, alphabetically and Dick Hopgood, Doug Howie, Dick Hopgood. <laughs> and these guys... I'm sitting there struggling in preclin, trying to do an MOD on a bicuspid, and everything they did looked perfect. And I thought, I'm not going to be able to do this. But there was a there was a guy who sat across from me, Paul called Paul. Um, 
oh, I, I, his name escapes me. He was a, he was an amazing gymnast, Paul Heller. And he came up to me one day and he said, when everyone's left, you're still at the bench trying. You're going to be fabulous. And that gave me a lot of encouragement. And so I've been said, it's been said to me, oh, you're, you're so smart. You're so bright. You're so successful. And I always say, it is amazing how lucky I get the harder I work. Yeah. It's hard work. Yeah. Yeah. So you would say, right, that you're, you got some grit, right? Right. You know, and I think what you just described could translate into today's uh, fantasy world of social media and in all those wonderful cases that people will put up there, photo retouched or unretouched. I don't know. We'll leave that alone. But, you know, they'll they'll show something and you'll be like, I, I don't think I can do that. And maybe at this point you can't. But, you know, if you are determined to, I believe that most everybody can. You know, if I knew what it took to get in, you know, the things that dentistry required in terms of, you know, the hand and the art form, like my handwriting stinks, it still stinks. I couldn't draw a stick figure. Like, I, I don't have that ability to do that. But I sat and let people teach me and I tried to learn it because I wasn't allowed myself to say, you can't do this. And I was like, of course I could do this. Everybody else can. And yeah, it, it's it, that's it a very for me. thing. You know, I grew up in a family that I truly thought my middle name was No. Jeffrey No. Jeffrey No. Jeffrey No. And the reason for that was my parents were really post-Holocaust survivors. They weren't in the concentration camps, right. but they they were part of that generation that they're going to come and take it away from you. They're going right. to, you know, you have to live in fear. Um, and it was easier to say no. And for me, for my sister, she retreated into herself. For me, you say no to me, you got a problem on your hands. In 1987, when someone said only, sur only oral surgeons and periodontists can place implants. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. going, wait a second. I, I take teeth out. I, I was taught some very interesting techniques. Um, if I can take out, my friend Earl Slusky, may rest in peace, oral surgeon, he said, if you can take out teeth, you can put in implants. Right. And if you can do an apico, you can do an implant. I'm not suggesting immediately that everyone go out and start placing implants. I'm not suggesting that. But let's take a simple procedure that many of us need to do Let's just restore tooth number eight with an incisal edge that's broken, a class four. If the color doesn't match, and remember, color's made up of hue, chroma, and value. Mm -hmm. If the value is off, it's going to be gray. If the chroma's off, it's going to be the wrong color. And you have to look at the intensity of color. And so you need more than one composite, even though Tokiyama and other people will tell you you don't. You need to have more than one composite and never show a restoration to a patient unless you think it's as good as you can make it. And just starting with something as simple as that allows you to get better. 
and don't schedule 15 minutes to do an incisal. Right. You and, know, I just, my daughter has a front tooth that she broke in college and we did, she came home with, I had to go pick her up from the game. She broke it in the game. I picked her up. I bring her home. I, I did the endo and I bonded the whole tooth back together, including the, um, the access prep from the endo. Right. So I felt like well, I got plenty of surface area and it's held up and looked good over time, a little bit here, a little bit there. So I was looking at it. I was like, uh, you crown it, do you veneer? So I talked to a friend of mine who's a prosthodontist. I think you may know him, Anthony Salusio. Oh, yes. So, so Anthony, she, he, she goes in and he does a composite veneer, basically. And to watch, and I sat and watched him work. And there were a couple things that really struck me. I was like, whoa, what, what do you, there was an instrument. It looked like a, a little rubber tip flat. And he was using that to right. massage by cur, the Right. Perfect. Yeah. So I was like, what is it? He goes, Oh, this is great. And he did it for quite some time. It wasn't like you said, it wasn't 20 seconds. It was a period of time and checking the shade and putting it on the tooth and taking pictures and stepping back and all these little details that I, I really, really can't speak enough of, but boy, that was a tremendous learning experience for me, you know? Right. And it's just, you know, Drawing in a tooth with a pencil, showing where the mammalons belong. Understanding that teeth are multiple layers of different colored materials. Wait, Listen, wait, anterior you... teeth have anatomy? Is that what you just said? <laughs> anterior teeth have anatomy. But the interesting thing is, when you have someone that's 16 years old, yeah, you can do a monochromatic shade. Mm -hmm. But the other thing I would say is you must ask permission for your patients go ahead i just did i just did an anterior case for someone one single tooth with a black line down the center of tooth number nine so why you know and the, you ask the question why have you come to my office and immediately you know i took a couple photographs and tooth number 10 was an awful PFM on it and tooth number nine, I mean, tooth number eight had something else. And I asked, why have you come to the office? And she goes, I really hate this black line on my front tooth. I said, okay. So I air braided it, carefully took some flowable, I like using majesty uh -huh. and made the black line disappear. And she goes, wow, that is really great. I thank you so much. It really bothers me. She goes, and I'm about to open my mouth. Salesman 101, have you thought about doing something about your crown on tooth number 10? I didn't say tooth number 10 because we don't speak yeah. dentistry. Yeah. Have you ever thought, I wanted to say, I was just dying to say, have you ever thought about doing something about this upper left crown? She goes, you know, my daddy did this crown for me 37 years ago. It was the last thing he did before he died. Now think about that for a second. Because yeah. you could have said... You well better not touch it. Yeah, you, you, should, you could have said, like, how long have you had that ugly crown done on your front tooth? And, but this woman, this is her connection to her father. And she was very put together and attractive lady. She knows it doesn't match. 
You know, it's like the girl with the black hairy lip. Everyone wants to tell her, hey, lady, you got a black hairy lip. It's not like she doesn't know. And, And I think that, and the other thing I will say, when you ask a patient a question and they say no, you do not need to ask them again. No is no. Mm-hmm. Oh, come on. You know, Don't you want to feel better about your smile? Don't you want to feel better about yourself? You know, can you afford $500 a month on care credit and I can redo your front teeth? I don't want to redo my front teeth. I, d- I don't, I don't, I mean, you know, I, and I think that it is a grave mistake when we start imposing our standard to somebody else. Right. And that's how you build relationships. So, so, so going, going to that and to what you said about before. Yeah. I'm guessing you didn't learn that in dental school. (laughs) Where, where, like, where did you start to pick up? Cause that's a good point. Like I think sometimes, and I know I did it, especially early on, just talked too much and didn't listen enough or didn't ask the right questions, right? Two ears, two ears, one mouth. Right. But, but you have to, like you said, you, you were going to say something, I get it, but how did you learn to coax the question or or approach the situation so that you would, you, you would get the right, you know, the person comfortable and ask or speak back to you the, their truth, right? How, how, how did you learn that? To me, I had some folks, some some people that I respected say, here's some here's some techniques, say this and then shut up. Things like that. How did you develop that? Where did you get those skills? Oh boy. It's a, it's such a long story, but I'm gonna tell it quickly. In 1969, my mother came to me and said, You're going to help this kid in her geometry. I was a junior in high school. You're going to help this seventh grader in in her geometry. I go, I'm not doing that. She goes, well, yes, you are. And she's coming over with her father and you're going to help her with her geometry. And I remember it so clearly because she could not remember the difference between congruent and supplemental angles. And I said to her, you know, you only have to remember one because if you remember one, you'll know the other. The father turned out to be a foreman at a very famous company called the James Sewell Company in Maine. And I was able to get a job as a land mapper for the James Sewell Company because of what I did for this person. Okay. Which is an interesting question, an interesting point. Don't think about what it's doing for you. Think about what it's doing for the other person first. Or as Stephen Covey says, think about first things first or the end in mind, that kind of stuff. So I used to have to go out to people's houses and ask them about their properties. And I went with this old timer who literally had no teeth. And I was so quick to go, okay, let's go talk to this lady. And I would say, oh, Mrs. Smith, can you tell me about the property lines? And he gets me back in the car. He goes, you know, for a college kid, you are stupid. I go, Don, what are you talking about? I needed to get the information. He goes, 
stop talking. Just ask a simple question like, how long have you lived in Derry, New Hampshire? <laughs> He's covering his mouth for the people just listening. <laughs> it is so hard to do. Why have you come to my office? My wife made me come. Really? What's going on with that? Oh, my daughter's wedding is next week and she hates my smile. One of my most famous patients that I've treated that I cannot tell you their name was summering in Connecticut. And I met her in a hygiene visit and I said, um, welcome to my practice. And she said to me, you know what I love about this office? You don't have a big effing camera screen in front of me showing me all the effing stuff in my mouth that I am not interested in seeing. And also, no one asked me about the space between my front teeth. You're my dentist. Just because tooth number 19 is missing, just because there's a diastema, just because, just because, just because, but we're so anxious to tell people what they we know. The old adage is they don't care how much you know yeah. until so they know, they how, know much how much you care. You care. Yep. And what's important to me, so when you triage a patient, you know, we talk about, you know, immediate pain relief, you know, gross carries, yeah. whatever, however you triage a patient, it doesn't matter until you understand what the patient wants. So ask this simple question. Why have you come to see me? Yeah. Don would say, you talk too much. And I got to tell you, I'm a good talker. <laughs> My wife, Betsy, has said to me, how do you know so much about your patients? And it's because I ask the open-ended questions. And it makes my day, quite frankly, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. I agree. Let's talk about... Let's let's dovetail that into um, in, in obviously in the fee for service world, management of your team or your staff, right? So how does uh, how does some of these things relate to some of the challenges that we have putting together a dynamic team that share that vision philosophy? Because this in this case, what you just said this this woman's in hygiene, so she's obviously right. She's seeing the hygienist. She's in your practice. There's a there's a vibe that's going to be um, emitted that she's going to pick up on, and like she said, nobody's doing this, nobody's doing that. So there has to be a understanding of culture. Like if you have a hygienist in this case, or a, a dental assistant, or a front desk person that 
is like, oh, look at that, you know, space, and you know, we can do so many things, and Doctor Who's can fix your smile, and look at these pictures, et cetera, et cetera. There has to be a communication from the leader, yourself, to, to your team that this is how we do things. How, how does that evolve? So it's, it's incredibly important that I have a staff of 27, and bigger is not better. And we're open six days a week, four years. Hold on, can I, can I just repeat that? Bigger is not better. Can I? Yeah. Can I back that up too? Go ahead. Yeah, bigger is not necessarily better unless you're a linebacker who can run a 50 in four seconds um, or whatever they can do. Um, but the practice evolves from in 1979 when I started after being fired from three jobs truly and my wife was eight and a half months pregnant and we started with one chair and a second floor walk-up in Stratford, connecticut where we bought two cabinets and a bore and a hollow core door to put on top of the cabinets and betsy's water broke wednesday morning and i turned to her i said does that mean you're not coming to the office i mean you know i so the question really is what is what's your vision you know what's your mission statement and i have to tell you that that many a lot of stuff that i did was out of fear the fear of failure you know having to go back and with my tail between my legs and say that i failed so think about what your mission statement is so my mission statement is to provide the highest quality care for the most number of patients while maintaining a balance between my personal and professional life. And there are times that I'm out of balance. Uh -huh. There's no question. Hardest, hardest thing we have to do right there. Keeping in the balance. The balance, yeah. And you and all of my articles, I always talk about balancing the art, science, and beautiful business of dentistry. You know, doing beautiful dentistry based on good science with a good business model. So you lead your team by demonstrating the qualities and commitment yourself. Go deeper into that. Go, go deeper into that. So what that means basically is this. I have never once blamed a dental laboratory for something not working. Mm -hmm. I've never said to a patient, the laboratory did a lousy job, but what are you using that laboratory for? They did a lousy job. What are you using that laboratory for? The person doesn't care. Yeah, it doesn't care. You're responsible for how yeah. that looks. You. So, and as I've also said, we use I use a very expensive device called an M I R R O R, <laughs> and I have a big eight inch one of those sitting on the patient's lap all the time, and I buy them at a very expensive place called Medimart. And they're clean and they're beautiful and they're perfect. And when I place a restoration on someone's front tooth, I would never let someone look at it unless it was as good as I could possibly make it. So, so my staff knows that we are working towards excellence all the time. And that doesn't mean everything we do is perfect. I, I'm, I'm not... <laughs> I am by not I am by no means the best dentist in the world. Okay? 
But what I'll tell you is I do the best I can every day. And if it's not working that day, then we get another batter up. We get, we, you know, we get another batter up at it. So the team understands that we're immediately starting with excellence. And the way that I'll describe that is the following. When the phone rings, bring, 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 brush and floss dental center. And please don't laugh at my name. I know it's a stupid name, but that's what it's called, brush and floss dental center. And there's a whole story behind it. But please, you know, bring, 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 brush and floss dental center. Please hold, click. Well, now you've already you, you got a bad taste. So it starts with the first phone call. And it is also having your staff understand that we are not in the dental business. I had a staff member many, many years ago who was running the front desk at a Ritz-Carlton. She said, we are not in the hotel business. We are in the experience business. And I don't care if you had the worst night of your life. Good morning, Mrs. Smith, and how are you today? It doesn't matter that the dog bit your leg and the car didn't start and, you know, and you, it, it doesn't matter because the patient doesn't up care. Yeah. The patient doesn't care. It's mm -hmm. about them. It's about them. And so therefore the staff has to see how you are acting towards your patients. So if you say, oh, that patient is crazy. I've never met a crazy patient in my life. I've met patients who are under tremendous strain and I do a lot of TMD therapy. So I see a lot of patients are in trouble, but I've never met a crazy patient. I've you, met got, you have some chronic pain patients, if that's the case. Right. right. Yeah. And I've had patients who have been abused emotionally and physically. I've had patients who have had their teeth removed prematurely. You think a denture patients had good dental experiences? Absolutely not. So the team has to see what you're doing. So if you're the last one in and the first one to leave, bad message. Yep. Bad message. Also, how you interact with your patient. When I come to see a patient in hygiene, they better not be lying down. Because there's a very famous thing called the transactional analysis model. So you have this transactional analysis model where you have an adult to an adult, a child to a child. When patients are lying down yes. and you're over them, that is an adult-child relationship. Right. They can't make good decisions. So what you have to do is you have to elevate that patient. And quite frankly, if you are, if you come into a room and that patient is, I'm going to call it hot, angry, has been waiting a long time. The first thing you do is they're sitting up and you sit down in a chair. Yeah. Below so they're them. higher. Yeah. They're so they're higher yeah. and let them do what they need to do. And you could say, well, no one should talk to me this way. Wait a second. You're the one that kept them waiting. They're the one that's been up all night in pain. All of these things. So it is patient management is really interpersonal skill 101. You need to not have a smelly breath. You need not to bodily smell. Your patients, your staff needs to be dressed in crisp uniforms. They need to look nice. Their hair needs to look nice. My male, I have three male dental assistants, four male dental assistants now. 
Um, they need to look appropriate. And when you walk in the door in the morning, see what the patient sees, hear what the patient hears, smell what the patient smells. Go into your reception area. You had National Geographic's from 1964, think it's time to change them. You got shitty pictures on the wall, time to change them. If the pictures on the wall aren't straight, time to change them. This whole feng shui thing, it, it, you don't have to have an office that's feng shui. You have to have an office that's crisp, clean, smells good. Your bathrooms have to be right. And you need somebody, which quite frankly is my wife, Betsy Hoos, who will walk around the office. And if you have ceiling tiles that are dirty, they better be clean. Because all of those things translate to the pride you have in your office and that your staff needs to be prideful of what their environment that they're working in. Also, I have staff members who have been working, uh, yeah, it's so interesting. Um, one of my hygienists has been with me for 36 years. I have lots of 20 year people. You have to pay them well, and you have to understand that they have another life other than your life. It's not about you, it's about us. Team, you know, what do they say? There's no I in team. Hmm? There's no I in team. So if you're having a problem with staff, don't look at the staff, look at you. We have seen the enemy, it's yeah. us. <laughs> so how do you uh okay so you you set the example now do you have like staff meetings or training sessions or like role play and you know just just like like teaching you know phone skills uh scripting i mean how does that come about for your office oh boy this is such a hot topic and i'm almost afraid to say it <laughs> Well, I can I I cannot have morning huddles. Can't do it. Um, we have a staggered we have a staggered schedule. Um, it is impossible to get our team together. So what we do is we do what I call mini sessions. That it happens spontaneous during the day. And that when we when a problem arises we immediately try to address it and the information is disseminated through the team so i have a lead dental assistant a lead hygienist an assistant front desk manager and i have a very 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 strong office manager who when i need something done i go kristen i need this done okay dr who's because I'm too busy. I, I, and this is not a brag. I'm, I, like I said, bigger's not better, but $10,000 days are a routine thing for me in an office. Mm -hmm. That's easy to do when you're placing implants or doing full mouth recons and stuff like that. Again, there's also high overhead associated with all of that. And I have a monster payroll. I mean, a monster payroll. So a lot has to be happening. 
But well, let me interrupt for one second because just to reiterate your point, your time is best spent doing what only you can do. That's correct. The moment you have to do things that other people can and should do takes away from the practice in a way that is not replaceable. The time, one, it is the only thing it's gone forever. Yep. Yep. Therefore, if I say to my lead dental assistant, Jennifer, please ensure this. The answer is okay, Dr. Hoos. Also, everybody is, you know, this is a small point in my good friend, Joe Steven, may he rest in peace from Kisco Dental. We used to fight about this on the, we used to have an hour conversation every week. My name is Dr. Jeffrey Hoos. My name, the name is Dr. Gemma Qualick, Dr. John Azitney, Dr. Julia Latham, Dr. Danny Panice, Dr. Irwin, you know, Dr. Zach Corwin, Dr. Hoos. I'm not Jeffrey, and I don't refer to anyone in my office as their, by their first name. I At one time, I used to refer to my dental assistants as, like my friend would be Mrs. Carey, Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Smith. We don't do that, but we address each other quite formally. It isn't that we can't have fun in the office. You can have fun. We're doing serious business. And when I'm speaking to, I never speak to my dental assistant about something other than the cone of the patient. Right. I'll say, That's, did you see that good movie last night? Exactly. That's a huge point. I remember being taught that early on because now the patient thinks that they're sitting in your coffee room. And yeah, exactly. They're, so they're, it's they're always, busy. and I talk a lot about patient-centered care. Right. So let's go back to, let's say, hygiene. Yeah. I am a great believer that when someone calls on the phone and says, bring, 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 brush and floss dental center, I can help you. Or brush and floss dental center, this is Alexa, I can help you. I need my teeth cleaned. May I have your name? Okay. When was the last time you had your teeth cleaned? We don't say at Brush and Floss Dental Center, your first visit is with the doctor to determine what kind of cleaning you need. Wait a second. I want my frigging teeth cleaned. So what's the answer? The answer is yes. You come into an operatory, how can I help you? Why have you come in? My lower left molar is sharp with my tongue. Can you smooth it down? What's the answer? The answer is yes. Can you cut off my arm and sew it to the top of my head? The answer is yes, but we need to talk about what that means to have your arm disconnected from your shoulder and sewn to the top of your head. I want all my teeth removed and I want dentures. Can you do that? The answer is yes. Let's talk about what that means to do that. Let's talk about what that means to do that. Well, my parents had dentures. They did great with them. I hate my teeth. I want them removed. Let's get some information. We can talk about that. 
So it is the open-ended questions, but more importantly, it is understanding. Now I have eight hygienists in my practice. Every one of them has a different personality. Every one of them has a different personality, but they all know one thing. It is not about them. Just that is enough. And that's how the that's how that culture is disseminated. But they see how I treat my patients. And my partner, Dr. Zitney, who has been with me for 38 years and has just now become an associate and practicing two days a week, she, talk, she talks a lot about what she learned from me on how to be with patients. I understand how you feel. I felt that way too, and then I found out. It is endearing yourself to the patient at the expense of you. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I was in a lecture one time with a very, very famous guy, and he said, my, my patients need to respect me and understand who's in charge. And I thought to myself, I, I'm not sure I'm the one in charge. I'm the one responsible. And when a patient walks in, let's take the edentulous patient. What kind of experiences that patient had since the time of they had their teeth removed? Have you ever heard the have you ever heard the term Bangor Bride? No, I haven't. No. So I grew up in Old Town, Maine, and the next largest city was called Bangor, Maine. Yeah, famous for Stephen King, uh -huh. actually, who went to school with my sister. Women before they were married, their parents would take them, have their teeth removed and have dentures made for them so that they wouldn't have any dental problems that their husband would be responsible for. And they were called Bangor Brides. Okay. And my mother was basically a Bangor Bride. Um, except for a few teeth. And I can honestly tell you that I never had to clean my mother's teeth because she was so meticulous about her home care, the few teeth she had. And she talked about being abused, not sexually, but being abused in a dental office. And she had to have a front tooth removed and she walked home and she was newly married because they didn't have a car. And she walked into her mother-in-law's house and she's crying and she smiles at her mother. And the mother-in-law says to her in Yiddish, why are you crying? And she smiled and her front two teeth were missing. And the mother said to her, well, what are you worried about? You're married. My mother said she cried harder because she then knew what she was dealing with. The experience that patients have 
are generally horrendous. And until you have the empathy for that patient, you shouldn't be a dentist. Because I was a dental phobic as a child because I was abused physically in a dental office. And that's where the painless injection came out. That's how the painless injection was developed, the painless injection technique. And what you need to understand is when you lie a patient down, you are putting them in a very vulnerable position. Vulnerable, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it is that Rachmanis, and for those of you who know what Rachmanis is, good for you. Rachmanis is a y Yiddish word that is beyond empathy. You and I are standing at the stove together. You burn yourself. I've burned myself before I have sympathy for you. I simultaneously reach for that pot handle and burn myself at the same time. I now have the ultimate empathy for you because I've experienced exactly the same thing. But Rachmanis is where your collective experience has allowed you to understand that this person is in a terrible position. And aren't you lucky that you've been given the skills to help them? Not the arrogance to help them, the Rachmanis to help them. Once your patients yeah. understand that. The gift. They will run to your practice. It's as simple as that. In 1979, we did $100,000 our first year. We were seeing 40 new patients a month. I was a new dentist. I didn't know what to do with 40 new patients a month. Trying to do amalgams and adaptic. <laughs> One chair. One chair, I would Upstairs. start in the morning and my and I would not have to, and I had one dental assistant and my wife was at the front desk and it was out of control. And I can't tell you how many Saturday nights, friends of ours, I had a beeper. I can't tell you how many Saturday nights I went in and my friends would have to wait for me while I did an emergency. It's availability, it's affability, and its ability, being available, being nice, and being able to do the job. You want to prioritize those three or no? Um, you know, it's like balancing the art, science, and business of dentistry. It's like a three-legged stool. I have seen guys. I think you have to be nice first. Yeah, but I've seen guys who can do like I said, Paul Homily talked about naturals, guys that can do guys and gals that can do things. They right. just gifted artists. They have incredible right. ability. Yeah. I, I joke off. I'm like, I can't carry your gym bag. I, I make that statement, but sincerely, I, I, that's not something that's in my, that's what's on in my range. I mean, you know, you see there's, they have a friend of mine in Italy that does dentistry. It's like in Leonardo da Vinci. I, I, Giacomo, his name's Giacomo. Giacomo, how do you do that? Well, it takes me two hours to do an anterior bonding. 
well, I don't have two hours to do an anterior bonding. So I've had to develop techniques right. where I can do something in 20 minutes that's almost as good. Right. It's almost as good. So so when you ask me to prioritize, I have to tell you, affability is number one. I, 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 I totally believe that. That's my feeling. You have to be able to connect with people. You have to be able, you have to, and you, you, you just have to be nice. You know, there was a very famous guy named Harvey Sarner. Do you remember that name? I do know that name. Yeah. So Harvey Sarner was a tax account, a tax attorney, accountant, something. And he talked about, you know, how do you get the best tax advantages in your practice and all this kind of thing. And I was a new guy. And I was taken to one of his courses by Hal Conley, who was an orthodontist. And we're sitting there with the paper, pens poised. And he said, gentlemen, and you few ladies over there, because this was 1979. I hear you. <laughs> um, you want to know how to build a huge dental practice? And everyone's just waiting. He goes, try being nice to your patients. Now let's talk about tax law. You know, Linda Miles, I, I believe she said the top two reasons a, per, a, a person chooses their dentist. Number one, they're nice. And number two, they don't hurt me. I, I was like, it's like, it's like, seriously? So if you just be nice to people and don't hurt them, people are going to want to come see you. I, 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 to this day, I'm like, wow. And you have to have supportive staff that support the same vision. Show huh? them back. Your front desk is so nice, Dr. Hoos. Thank you. Yesterday, thank you so much for seeing me. My dentist wouldn't see me. Yeah, I'll get that all the time. Yeah. I, you know, and now I have to tell you, it requires a big office. You can't do it with one chair, two chairs, or three no. chairs. You Highly have skilled have, team. You have to have a team that can manage that patient. This woman yep. had been up all night. Yep. Been up all night. Facial swelling. Yep. She, she's in trouble. Her dentist would see her on Monday. She asked one of her friends, do you think your dentist would see me? He goes, she goes, I know someone in Dr. Who's office would see you. Get it all the time. Oh, we get, you know, he doesn't have anything available for a month. I'm like, excuse me? Right. And you're a patient of record, you know? So like, right. okay. Let's it's talk insane. About, let's talk about your problem and what we can do, right? But, so, you know, it's interesting. My good friend, Earl Slusky, I talk about him all the time. He taught me more dentistry than I ever learned in dental school. He was a phenomenal oral surgeon who just passed away at 90-something. We had a relationship we had a relationship that was so unique. I was doing TMD therapy starting. He would call up and he'd say, I'm sending Mrs. Jones over. And we could call and say, I'm sending Mrs. Smith over. No problem. Why? Why? Because the answer is yes. The answer is yes. And I think that, but that requires you being willing to sacrifice and pull something out of yourself. Yep. Pull, pull something out of yourself. And it's challenging. It's challenging. But 
we have emergency time booked in our office. We, you know, and also when someone calls, Wednesday, Wednesday, yes, Wednesday, Thursday, no, Thursday, someone called from the emergency room saying that they had been hit in the face with a pipe wrench. Could we see them? Come on down. It broke off his two front teeth. Another tooth is in trouble. And, and I don't work on Saturdays. But yesterday I went in and did some big deal dentistry for him. Thank you so much for seeing me. Now, my partners could have handled that. But... It was just a particular nuance of the case that Jeffrey needed to handle it. And I think that you have to be willing to put yourself out. But if you if you bring in doctors, they had better share that core value. And that is tough. Yep. That is very tough. Yep. Especially if they come from a DSO environment. Mm-hmm. So where let's the business where the business precedes everything else. So my father right. taught me an interesting lesson. He had a tiny grocery store. No one ever leaves the store without something. And and Mrs. Smith came to get a piece of meat for a birthday party and left with some rolls to go with it for no charge. We do lots and lots of additional dentistry for no charge. And so I have, I have something I do in my office and I've been yelled at and disagreed with. And so it doesn't matter because I'm running my own practice. Someone chips a tooth and it takes me seven minutes to fix it. I noticed your birthday was last week. Did I give you a birthday present? No. I said, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Or I never, and this is the tr true statement, I have never, nor will I ever charge for a denture repair. Now, I'm very fortunate I have an in-house technician. But if you don't know how to repair dentures, you need to learn how to use to repair dentures. You need a pressure pot, some hot water, and it's easy to do. I never repair, charge for repair of a denture, missing tooth, whatever it is. Why? Because that person has had terrible dental experiences their whole life. Number one. Number two, Mrs. Smith Today's no charge. Are you kidding? But you really need to consider getting some new dentures. So when time comes, come back and see me. Two years ago, a woman came in with a lower denture that was broken in half, down the midline. Know it well. Yeah. I repaired it. I relined it with Meyerson soft. I relined, relined it with Kosoff or Meyerson so it fit better. She asked me, how much are dentures in your office? 
$7,200. Wow, that's a lot of money for dentures. I think I only paid $1,500 for these a couple of years ago. So they understand how you feel. I would feel that way too. I'm not suggesting $7,200 is not a lot of money. But to even make them better, we should probably put a couple of implants down here <laughs> to secure them. And that's going to be another $6,000. Okay. Leaves. Shows up on Tuesday with her money that she had been saving for two years. Dr. Who, she was so nice to me. I really appreciate it. I want to start with my dentures. And if possible, can we see how it goes? I said, you know what? And I tell, I talked about this in my prosthetic lectures and my implant lectures. And my friend, John Heidsmith would say he would never do a denture without implants. He just won't do it. Me, I'm an idiot. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Too. You know, I say to patients all the time, let's see if we can make the best denture we right. can make. Yep. And if we, we find out that it's not satisfactory, then I will know exactly where to place those implants so that we can get the best result. So when the denture is made, a duplicate is produced, costs next to nothing to do that. And it, this is sort of a visual thing. The surgical stent is clear. The surgical stent is tried in before the final denture is put in. The patient has the M-I-R-R-O-R -R -R in their hand. The clear surgical stent goes in their mouth. The patient invariably asks, what is that? This is a device that allows me to know exactly where your dental implants will go if we find out that your denture does not fit the way it makes you feel the best that you can feel. That surgical stent is taken away, put aside, the final denture is put in, the patient closes, they wear that for 24 hours without removing it from their mouth, they are seen the following day. Do you have any sore spots? Of course they do. You take the surgical stent that you had, goes back in the patient's mouth after you've marked the denture where you're going to do that. Also, the rule about dentures is never adjust sore spots until you check the occlusion. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> never adjust sore spots until you check occlusion. And if you're not using a Gothic arch tracer to find your vertical and centric, you should be, different day, different lecture, okay? Or a different discussion, not lecture, different discussion. The surgical stent goes back in, M-I-R-R-O-R. -R -R. Patient goes, oh, that's, that." I remember that from yesterday. That's what tells you where your dental implants are gonna go. 
ding, 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 because now the patient is informed. So if I said to you, Sonny, Sonny, can you tell me what a surgical stent is? Well, what are you talking about? Of course I can, I'm a dentist. Do not talk dentistry with your patients. My famous, <laughs> my, my well-known story is I bought this Erbium laser. I just had, I, I had to have an Erbium laser, the sitting in the corner not being used. My dental assistant, Nora, we, we're working together with Mrs. Jones. And I said to Mrs. Jones, you have these cervical lesions on the edges of your teeth. And I have a device called an erbium laser that I'm gonna be able to fix these. And I can take away this cervical decay without any Novocaine. Would you like me to do that? Yeah, that would be great. So I leave the room and I say to Nora, Nora, could you set up the Erbian laser? I leave to go do some hygiene checks. The woman gets up out of the chair, proceeds to start to unbuckle her pants. Nora says to her, Mrs. Jones, what are you doing? She said, well, Dr. Who said he was gonna <laughs> use the laser to check my cervix. <laughs> True story. Unless you have permission from my wife, we're not going there. <laughs> but I mean, but think about it for a second. Yeah. When you say you. the when you say the word crown. Yeah. Crown. Yeah. When you yeah. think when you say <clears throat> root canal, it's it's driving something down the root of your tooth to get to the nerve of a tooth. Right. We, when you talk about implants, we're not talking about plastic surgery here. We're talking about replacing the root of a tooth. Right, right. Watch how you speak to your patients. Yeah. They're not dentists. Now I will tell you, I treat a huge number of dentists because they come to my lectures, they need dentistry, sure. they want me to do it. And I tell them, you're going to be treated like everyone else. My fees are my fees. If you want your lab work to go through your office, you can you can pay for your lab work through your office. But I have to have you understand that I could be treating dentists all day long. Right. And if you want the same, if you want the same quality of service and the same considerations, and and like I said, I treat lots of dentists, especially when they have TMD problems, which dentists have a huge number of TMD problems. And it, what happens is they learn a lot about TMD because of how they're being treated. Right. Having said that, if I say to them, I want you to go into protrusive, they get it. Right. But you, when you say to a dentist, I want you to go into protrusive. I mean, a patient, I want you to go into protrusive. They go, what? Yeah. You can't even get your patient to move your jaw to the right. They try to move their maxilla. They go, I'm doing it. I said, well, if you can move your top teeth to the right, I'd be pretty impressed. You know, so take your finger, yeah. put it on their chin and tap their right shoulder. Move your jaw towards your right shoulder. They do it instantaneously. 
If you want someone to go into centric, open your mouth slightly, put your tongue on the roof of your mouth and slowly close. At the same time, you're using your leaf gauge. So all of these things are just little nuances. Someone said they wanted to come and videotape me for three days and sort of do these videotape snippets. It's just these things that I've developed over the years to make it easier for me. It, it's, it's not about them, you know. It's really about Jeffrey to make it easier for me, which translates it making it easier for them. Right. Therefore, and I'm not going to tell you that patients don't leave my practice. They do. Patients leave my practice. They think my fees are too high and yeah. I'm a, and I'm a fee for service dentist and I didn't understand my insurance didn't cover everything and okay and I and I don't I don't have such an amazing personality that everybody loves me mm -hmm. you know I mean I can wrinkle some feathers every once in a while um but <laughs> I had an incredible thing happen in my office a few years ago that really set me back um, I had an amazing, talented dental assistant who happened to be black. And um, I had a patient come in and say to me, I don't want that person touching me. And I said, did she hurt you? Was she inappropriate? No, those people can't touch me. And I said, I'm curious, how did you uh, find me as a dentist? She go, He goes, well, Jews make the best dentists. And I said, you know, it's interesting that you say that, but do you know that um, Zlatan is from Bosnia, Kevin is from Syria, she's from Poland, this one's from Santo Domingo, this one's from India, this one's from here, this one's from there. I'm not sure this is the right office for you. Well, what are you talking about? I, I, My money's good here. I said, not sure it is. Happy to transfer your records any way you want. Mm -hmm. He left a one Google review. You know what? Worth every Google review. Worth it. You know, we don't have to be all things to all people. Right. But what we do have to understand is that, and I say it again, patients come to your office with a whole set of experiences that you can't begin to understand. There is no such thing as a new dental patient unless they've never been to the dentist before. Right. And they're young. Yep. So every time you kiss that girl, it is all the previous kisses that they've had that she's judging you by. Right. And you need to understand that. And so it goes back to that first that first ring. Yep. Also, the number one practice builder is being nice to your patients. Number two, as you said, painless injections. And number three is communicating with your patients after their dental visits. We call them comfort care calls. Right, right. Mrs. Jones, how are you doing tonight? Who is this? It's Dr. Hoos. It's Dr. Hoos. Oh, Dr. Hoos, I'm feeling pretty good. Those three implants, it wasn't so bad. Thank you so much for calling. Or I'll hang up the phone and I'll say, 
thank you so much for calling. And my wife will go, they didn't thank you, did they? <laughs> it's okay. We now, we now communicate with our patients through text messaging. Yeah. We use a very cool program doing that. Um, but again, it's we're not in the dental business. We're in the relationship business. Great. Perfect spot to end it. That was that was great. Um, all I can say is of the things we jotted down, there's a few more. So we're gonna have to have another another session. <laughs> so keep me on your uh keep me on your penciled in book and uh we'll we'll get another one done. I think there's things we want to talk about and uh it's just so I'm gonna say one thing. You you should talk a little bit about what you've developed and how proud I am of what you've accomplished, having multiple locations, maintaining that fee-for-service environment. And I don't care what anybody says about you, Sonny. You're a pretty nice guy. Yeah, don't listen to the other ones. <laughs> yeah, don't listen to the other ones. And I value our friendship very, very much. And, you know, we need to talk to each other about the stresses and strains of dental practice. That's why I started Dental Insights. Yep. You know, and my little plug is, you know, it's free to join Dental Insights on Facebook. I post some crazy stuff mm -hmm. to try to develop some discussion. Yep. A lot of people watch, they don't contribute or they don't answer but I get a lot of private messages. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Um, They're afraid of getting blasted. <laughs> yeah. And the answer is it is a safe place. Yeah. It is a safe place. Everything I do is perfect. You know, that's nice to hear. You know, that's exactly right. Everything I do is perfect. Nothing could be further from the truth. Right. Nothing. Yeah. And I will apologize if I've offended anyone today. It's early on a Sunday morning, but all I'm trying to do in my articles in dental economics, in my lectures, on dental insights, I truly believe we are in the greatest profession in the world. Mm -hmm. We get to take people out of pain. We get to give them beautiful smiles. We get to help them where they cannot help themselves. Yep. What a gift. Right. What a gift. Sonny, thanks for everything. Appreciate it, my friend. As always, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast. If you would like to share your fee-for-service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our Fee-for-Service Dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. This has been a Rogue Media Network 